Hi, everybody. Welcome to Yes, Have Some Podcast. This is a special episode. Uh, joining me on the line uh, here in just a few minutes is going to be Will Dutchendorf. Will and his brother Hank played Oscar in Ghostbusters 2. And unfortunately, last week, uh, Hank did pass away under some really terrible and unfortunate circumstances. So his brother, Will, wanted to join us here and uh, reach out to the to the community, the Ghostbusters fan community, and uh, talk about his brother, talk about his brother's life, and raise awareness uh, for mental health and uh, schizophrenia, which is uh, what Hank was suffering from. Uh, so right now, Will Dutchendorf on Yes, Have Some Podcast. So Will... Uh, uh, welcome to Yes Have Some Podcast. I, I wish it was under uh, better circumstances, but uh, how are you doing tonight, man? Thanks. I'm doing pretty good, you know, considering the circumstances. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. We, uh, we've we got, uh, you know, the Ghostbusters community, is uh, it's a close-knit group. It's not as big as Star Wars uh, or Star Trek, but uh, it, it's definitely a family. And uh, uh, when the news broke last week about your brother, uh, it hit us. Uh, it hit everybody really hard. We we felt like we lost one of our own. So whether or not I know you guys didn't do any acting after uh, after Ghostbusters two, but uh, you're, you've always right. been a part of the the Ghostbusters community. And uh, uh, so d- our condolences uh, to you and your family. Thank you, and I do appreciate that because I've had a lot of people reach out to me, and you know, like, like I said before, I think in the one interview I've ever done with Hank, that we didn't realize how big you know. The, whole Ghostbusters fan base was or that anyone would ever even care about us because of you know, all the other actors inside of Ghostbusters but I guess since we did play a role you know people did feel connected to us so we really appreciate all that and that definitely made us feel like we're important in people's lives yeah yeah and it's it's one of those things like Ghostbusters 2 like you know we would watch it all the time anyway but the, the movie is on TV I feel like every day like on yeah. v, VH1 or AMC or, or one of those so uh um, so yeah, so, um, you know, you, we, you had the thing, you know, this terrible thing that happened last week. Um, and I guess what, whatever Hank was going through was not something you guys, um, it wasn't, it wasn't something that he was public about, um, in, in his life or not something that, you know, people in the fan community knew about. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. He, uh, he wouldn't want anyone to know what he was going through, uh, a lot of stigma surrounding people with schizophrenia and mental illness. Uh, you know, he would teach children, for starters, and uh, he just heard about just anybody, you know, with mental illness on that level who was teaching your kids. Um, I would be a little nervous if I didn't know the person, you know, very well, and I heard, you know, that they sometimes had psychotic episodes or something like that. You know, that would make me afraid to have my kids near him. Right. So, I mean, you can imagine his feeling, you know, he didn't want people to get the wrong idea because there's so much confusion about what schizophrenia is and bipolar and uh, it's on the more severe end of mental illness spectrum. So he was really, really afraid of jeopardizing not only the company we started, but also you know, his own livelihood. Right. So you guys ran the, um, the, uh, sorry, the West Coast Martial Arts Academy and you guys have been doing that for some time. And I know that that was like the biggest thing in your life. Uh, and, and what you were just saying is really interesting about how, um, there is such a stigma against really mental illness of, of any kind. I mean, how many times do you hear, you know, somebody who can't relate to it, just say like, you know, just get over it or just, you know, don't think about it or some, you know, some weird, you know, non-solution to just, you know, just deal with, it's not a real problem. It's in your head. And, uh, I think, I think mental illness has touched everybody 
um, in some way or another, whether it's, you know, anxiety, depression, family members, something you go through. Um, so I think it's awesome that, that you're taking obviously what is a, a tragic event in your life and, and just immediately, I think that day you went right ahead and you set up this fund, uh, for Hank and t- to raise awareness. Um, and why don't you go ahead and just tell us about that? Sure. Uh, I mean, we, we were trying to find an organization that we thought would be good for helping to try and actually find a cure for schizophrenia. I mean, even the organization we have, it's uh, the Brain Behavior Research Institute, uh, they, they're, they've already raised like 170-something million for schizophrenia research. So it's not like they haven't been trying. I'm not under the, you know, delusion, I hate to use that word, but I'm not under the impression right. that it's going to be something that, you know, even if we raise a million bucks in the next year or two or something, it's going to have a substantial impact. But I think just kind of attaching Hank's name to something at all and trying to really start to spread awareness about schizophrenia, people with schizoaffective disorder, is kind of the main intent right now. Because, I mean, there's so many people in our community. I mean, it's supposed to be something like one in a hundred people has schizophrenia. And I know just from being in a schizophrenia group on Facebook I joined that Hank was active in. You know, they're not having a great time. You know, right. the ones who are hearing voices and having delusions that their medication isn't working and they're, they believe that it's real, they're being psychically attacked, it's aliens, it's the government, you know, they're, they're probably the happiest ones. The ones who are the most unhappy are the ones who are struggling hearing the voices and having delusions and knowing that it's not real and trying to stay with reality, you know, but it's just so hard because they're just constantly being attacked. So my goal is to try and spread awareness. But if somebody walked up to you in the street and you started a conversation with them and they could actually tell you, you know, actually, you know, I have schizophrenia, it's really hard on me, and they could talk to you about it, just like if they said, oh, yeah, you know, I broke my ankle, you know, because they're walking around with a cast and they could go into the whole story about what happened, I think that would be great. I think that would be a big step in the right direction towards solving the problem, making people not feel like they're so alone as soon as they get diagnosed with something so serious. Right, right. It, well, because... You make a, an amazing point, which is that uh, this is something that affects a lot of people, mental illness in general. Uh, mental health is something we, we kind of hear about uh, in, in mainstream media. But unfortunately, it's one of these things that only gets brought up like, you know, after somebody gets shot or, or there's some event and it's like, well, we need to talk about mental illness in this country. And it's like, well, what does that really mean? Like, what is... Yeah, I- that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well, what is the as soon as someone gets shot, that's when everyone wants to talk about it. Yeah. So like, well, let's talk and about mental. Yeah. So, and that's a great example. You know, it's it's people who have mental illness who have you know, unfortunately, they don't have it controlled, and their voices tell them to do something horrible, or they have a delusion that makes them do something horrible. And the first thing we do is we're like, okay, we need to do this with guns, and then you got the pro-gun people who are freaking out, and you have the anti-gun people who are freaking out. You know, instead of focusing on the cause, the symptom, which is we just don't address mental health in our country, you know, and around the world. I don't, I mean, I think some countries do it better than the U.S., but, you know, in reality, it's just, it's not a priority. And it's just like anything, if you just focus on the symptom, you're not going to really do as much good as if you're focusing on the cause. Right. So it, it would be nice if we could try and start focusing more on the cause of mental illness problems and just trying to make it so that it's not such a stigmatized thing. If you have depression or anxiety, you know, or a tension problem or anything, you know, it shouldn't be the kind of thing where 
you know, you walk into a doctor's office, you might ask someone next to you, hey, you know, what are you here for? What's going on with you? If you walk into a therapist's office, you know, everyone's looking at their phones, looking at the ground, you know, everyone's other people in the room who have mental illness problems with you. I think something's going on, you know? It's, it's just that kind of thing where you just really want to keep it private because you never know what someone's going to think. Right. And it's that's so interesting. That that That's such an interesting thing, too, because if if people who struggle uh, with any level of uh, you know something like you said on the spectrum, something as serious as schizophrenia, uh, or you know that extreme to you know generalized anxiety or depression or what have you. It it it's a daily battle, but it's not like you're you're not going right. to the doctor every day. You're not addressing it. It's just it's like you're living. It's almost like chronic back pain where it's just there, and maybe you do take medicine for it. But um, we talked a little bit before the show. There's there's a weird stigma against uh, medication uh, in yeah. in this country. You you don't people aren't very forthcoming or there's a lot of uh, there's jokes. Uh, it, it's always kind of the punchline. Uh, you know, people on antidepressants or or any kind of uh, substance that they might take or that they're prescribed uh, to try to deal with with which is with something that's awful. And that's what this all boils down to is this is an awful thing that people are going through and make more conversations like this can only help. Right. And I think you brought up a good point about the medications because that's another thing uh, where people feel like, oh, medication, anti-medication. Now, to me, it's an individualized thing. It's inside of somebody's head. I can't tell you if you need an antidepressant or not because I'm not in your head and I'm not a doctor. So right. I can't really, you know, be specific to anyone's situation. There's no reason to even have that argument with someone. Because it's all subjective, you know. I mean, even chronic pain is somewhat subjective, based on how much pain that person can tolerate and everything. Right. Now, some people can handle more than others. It's just the reality of it. So it's kind of a weird thing we're in our country. We're like, oh, you know, he's on antidepressants, he's on anti-anxiety meds, and we make all these jokes, you know, and there's all this hate towards people on medications. But I mean, in reality, medications can do a lot of good. Um, I think that there is, you know, a side to addiction that, unfortunately, when you are in those places where you're overly stressed and you're anxious or depressed or have mental health problems, you're going to be easily more addicted to anything because you're already in so much pain. So you're going to try and, I mean, right now I've been scrolling Facebook more than I've ever done in my life, you right. know? And I know it's because I'm trying to escape what's going on in my head because of what happened to my brother. Right. I mean, you don't have to get addicted to a pill. You can get addicted to anything right. when you're suffering. So. I feel like there's way too much emphasis on, oh, well, pills are just a gateway to addiction. Well, you know what? There's that's pretty much anything. I think the main thing is as long as you're using it in the right way and you have a doctor who's helping you out, it can be a really beneficial thing in terms of at least maintaining a good quality of life. Right. So. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, that, and it's – I guess people are – I don't want to make generalizations, but it, I think it's safe to assume that a lot of people are flippant when it comes to this stuff. And it's usually – uh, and that's why we're doing it. It usually is just a lack of understanding, and people tend to, uh, you know, shy away from out of whether it's fear or just ignorance, uh, things that they don't understand. Um, so I can be, you know. But you know what? It, it does lead me to another point, Greg, not to interrupt you. No, but go for it. I don't want to brush over because I, I know, especially if any schizophrenics or people on medication, on the antipsychotics, listen to this. You know, the first thing they're going to tell you is, you know, but my pills. You know, give me X symptom. Like, they turn them into zombies. You know, they make them not feel any pleasure. They, you know, they make them where they just don't have any good feelings. You know, they just, they, you know, give them weird tics. They give them, 
you know, all these other mental props, they can make you suicidal and depressed, which I'm pretty sure the medication Hank was on, you know, when he was switching. That was another problem as well. So, I mean, right. it's not like we've, we've found things that have helped medication-wise, but I think if people were a little bit less afraid of medications, then maybe we could start working more towards finding something that actually does some more good for schizophrenics, especially when people need who need antipsychotics because they're we're not we're not at a place where we can say oh just take your your pill and you'll be good. There's right. plenty of people who go into psychosis and have schizophrenia and schizoaffective who are just giving their own high doses and they are still hearing voices and having problems. Right. So you know, there's that whole can of worms. I don't want to. I don't want to alienate anybody who's like, oh, well, you know, meditations are good, but not for me. Right, so right. That side of things. Right, absolutely. And um, and that's part of it too, like, you know, obviously working with a doctor. I mean, based on your experience, like, so you, you have the unique perspective of you were there, you lived with your brother, and you guys, you know, as twins, you were extremely close. Um, I mean, I'm making right. that assumption. I Everything I've read this pretty, week. Pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Um, Definitely as close as two people can be. Yeah. And uh, and but to 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 be by his side while he went through this, and to be so passionate about it now. What what before before this week was would were those passions there? Was it? I mean, I know Hank would have been oh, vi- yeah. extremely reluctant to talk about it publicly, but how did you? You know, for somebody who maybe is a brother or a sibling or a husband or a girlfriend with somebody going through this, you know, from your experience, can you shed on any light on, you know, what that's like? And and is there a way to to approach this stuff in a positive manner? Yeah, of course. You know, because for Hank, when he first got diagnosed, uh, he didn't know he was psychotic. I was the one who was telling him, you're, you know, something's not right here. You know, you're having problems. Uh, and he wouldn't believe me, and we, you know, been best friends for a whole life. Uh, he was that adamant that he was, you know, uh, was a higher power giving him powers, or you know, he was he just had what they called delusions. You know, he had false beliefs that appeared real to him, and his his vision, you know, his thinking would make them seem real. You know, the things that he would say, you know, it, it would all somehow get backed up in his head. Uh, so, as an example, my goal was always to try and get him to see his delusions weren't real and to try and get him to not believe whatever the voices are saying or reframe them to an extent. You know, um, I'm not saying that that always works. In fact, more often than not, it seemed like it was, it was more just about talking and expressing himself. It wasn't so much about me ever trying to tell him what to do. Right. Uh, going back to my whole point about if we could just be more open about it. Um, but, you know, if he was having a delusion, like he would have a delusion, for example, that uh, he was, a, you know, everyone would call him baby or his voices would call him baby because he would do things that he wouldn't consider to be, uh, like, adult-like, uh, you know, he, like kiddish, like sleeping in. You know, right. his medication would make him sleep in for 11, 12 hours a day. He had to, otherwise he was more zombie-like on his meds. Right. To make him look at least relatively normal so he didn't just seem like he was totally out of it, like he hadn't slept for days. He had to do that. And his voices, you know, and especially his baby voice would give him a hard time for it. You know, they would say, like, baby, you know, like when he's getting up in the morning, as soon as he gets up. Right. And, uh, you know, I would try to talk to him about that and try to just get him to realize, you know, like, okay, it's just, you know, the way your medication is, you know, I mean, everyone does it. Everyone has their own thing that they have to do, you know, to get through the day. If you have to sleep that long, just you need to listen to that voice. And, and, I mean, it didn't. 
listening to that voice helped a little bit, but it didn't really solve the problem, you know? Right. Um, and the things that we tried to do that really, you know, seemed like they helped was exercise, diet, taking his medication on a regular basis, and then trying to find triggers, you know, that would be the thing that made him either go manic or trigger him into psychosis. Right. And, you know, triggers are, could be anything, but, you know, it's something stressful typically, you know, it, He's already hearing voices from other people who are criticizing and condescending to him. And then someone actually does criticize him at all about something. Right. And that was naturally a trigger. You know what right. I mean? Because now his voices have, you know, fuel to go on. So right. it's something he's creating in his head. Right. There's an actual thing that they can manipulate and try to make him believe. So, I mean, that, I, that was a big part of it, was just trying to get him to where he was able to actually work and feel like he was having productive life. Uh, but not stressing out so much that he would, you know, go into psychosis and right. have problems where his medication wasn't enough. And, uh, he, and that, that was kind of the balancing act for a long time. Right, right. I mean, I, I mean, people who, you know, listen to our show, um, they know uh, mine and my wife, Abigail, we, we uh, host the show together. And uh, she struggled through uh, her own addictions and alcoholism. And me being the part, like, it, when... Sometimes you feel helpless, but you never stop, right? So you never right. – when, when you're looking at the situation, no matter what it is, you, you can't – you don't have it within you if you love the person to, to stop. So what's awesome is that you were fighting then and now you're taking this fight and you're going full force on it. Um, and I just think that's amazing and I commend you for that because this is about as tough as a thing that a human being can go through. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean, it's nice to hear that, you know, but I'll feel much better if I actually can do some good. Because right. at this point, there's, you know, talk is cheap, and I feel like it's easy to say out in the front when something happens. But right. if I could actually use some more talks like this, get a whole little speech together, you know, do some schools, if I could actually get to the point where I feel like, okay, you know what, Hank didn't just die for nothing, at least. Even right. though he died, you know, other people found out how difficult it is to live with mental illness, and it's a lot more acceptable now so that other people don't end up like him where they just can't talk to anyone about, you know, what's going on with them. That would be, that would be something. Right. And when, um, at what age did, did this become uh, part of your guy's life? Well, I mean, when we were kids, I would joke to him about him having two personalities. You know, it would be like Droopy, like old cartoon character dog would right. be his depressed type personality and then Skippy who would be <laughs> whenever he was manic but I never really I never really thought it was actually that I just thought that you know he had sometimes he was happy sometimes he was sad right. you know looking in retrospect it seems silly now if I knew as a kid but you know he definitely showed signs of being bipolar early on and uh, I mean we, we would talk since then about is there some kind of spectrum you know you know because being bipolar, when you go into mania, it can definitely trigger psychosis. And I think from us both talking that there's definitely genetic factors, uh, but there has to be some kind of environmental trigger. And I think, you know, the environmental triggers were really what made it start happening when we started our business together, okay. uh, where he just developed schizophrenia and started hearing voices. So, But there was definitely signs that, you know, he had bipolar. But in terms of hearing voices, there was no signs up until his first psychotic episode. Then all of a sudden it was just like... Bam, he started hearing voices and seeing things that weren't real, and we had to get him on antipsychotics. Right. Um, and as you guys progressed with that stuff and he uh, was taking medication, did, did you see any 
uh, I mean, did, was he improving or was it just so back and forth that, that there was, you know, good days, bad days, bad weeks? Uh, you know, it, it was kind of a, it was a roller coaster a little bit. You know, when, when he first got diagnosed, he got on a medication he hated uh, that totally made him do a zombie. But he had to get on the highest dose because he was in full-blown psychosis. I mean, right. he was seeing things on TV that weren't real. We'd be watching Judge Judy, and he'd be seeing a UFC fight between, you know, Buddha and Jesus type thing. You know, right. totally different. You know, it was just full-blown hallucinations. So once he got on a medication that helped, his battle became, well, I can't function really like this. You know, I can't function on the level of medication that and be a martial artist and teach and have a salary. So he would try and figure out the doses that he could get by on and still be able to function, but he wouldn't hear delusions and voices that, you know, were something that would affect him greatly. You know, he would still hear voices. He would still have an occasional delusion. But, you know, because we were so close, he'd just kind of bounce it off of me, and we would talk it out. And we'd be like, yeah, you know, he's... It's, you know, totally in your head type thing, you know, I would at least be able to kind of coach him through it. But right. then something stressful would happen in life. You know, a business partner would leave, uh, me getting married, you know, because that was a big deal to him because we were always Hank and Will. Right. Um, and I got married before he really had the girlfriend that he has now or had now. Right. So, I mean, any big life event could be a trigger to kick him into mania. Right. And he was self-aware. He was very self-aware. Anytime he went into mania, he knew he was going into mania. He didn't want to because he knew what that meant. He knew the longer he was in mania didn't sleep, the worse his psychosis was going to get, the harder it would be to make more delusions, and the more voices he would have. So he would up his whatever medication he was on. Sometimes he would mush up it to the max, and, you know, after a couple of weeks, it still wouldn't work, and his psychiatrist or whoever he was seeing would switch him on to something else until they found something that worked. Right. Um, and that was kind of the, the seesaw for a while, you know? I mean, he would... He would take days off of work. Sometimes he'd take days. Sometimes he'd take weeks. Uh, it just depending on how bad it was. Uh, and, you know, being in that situation, he was depressed as well. And so he, even though he wasn't on an antidepressant, you know, he was on a medication that made him depressed, and he was just depressed about a situation. Because, you know, at least when you wake up in the morning, you only got to, you know, talk to one voice in your head and try and pump yourself up. But right. he was constantly doing it, you know, trying to argue with people in his head every single day. But... If he got on more medication, then he wouldn't even have the motivation to leave his house. Right, <laughs> so right. Like, he didn't have to worry about the voices, but he didn't really have uh, enough money to live on his own and support himself either. And he didn't want to be like that. Right. So uh, that was kind of the, the roller coaster ride. And I think that stress, too, uh, contributed really to what happened to him in the end. Because all of us, uh, like me and my close friends and uh, high school, we've all stayed connected over the years. He was always the smartest one of the bunch. You know, like if you were going to ask any of our teachers who's going to do the best in life, it would have been Hank. Okay. So that kind of, you know, psychology of knowing that he was the best and the brightest of us, and now he wasn't even able to be on the same level as us, you know, in terms of like what we, our goals in life and everything, his goals were to make it to the day. I think that was really hard on him as well. Right. He just couldn't accept that he had schizophrenia and he was going to hear voices for the rest of his life. Right. That's, uh, man, that is really, really tough. Um, I just can't, like, I, I got I to gotta keep commending you because, you, like I said, you're going through this, this thing that's unimaginable and to be able to come out and talk about it and be passionate about it and be ready to go out there and kick ass I think is, is super awesome. Um, as far as, like... Uh, I want to kind of – I don't want to be insensitive, but, I mean, were 
for anybody who's in a situation like this and uh, with this end result being so so terrible and unfortunate it, are was there anything is there anything different that somebody could look out for if somebody's in a relationship with somebody who's going through schizophrenia or is was is there any kind of change that could have been an indicator that that things just weren't right or is it just the roller coaster like you mentioned where it's just so up and down there, there's no pattern uh, you know i think that there's there's always signs that someone's in a depressive episode so i think that is the number one is don't think just because someone's gone into a depression because they've gone into it before that it's going to be just like the others because he had been depressed before like he'd been this depressed before and he talked about doing something like this and it it wasn't you know we we he had there had been things that i would call attempts you know but nothing like like right. very serious, you right. know, like always more of a like call for help type things, right? You know, which was fine because you know obviously he wasn't getting the focus he needed, so right. he did things to kind of do it as a call for help. Um, unfortunately, like I said, I think that he just didn't have hope anymore, and so he didn't want to do a call for help. He just wanted to be done and not have to hear voices anymore. So I mean, I think for especially someone who you're worried about, you know, something happening, any break in routine when you have them in a good routine because. He hurt his hip. He couldn't exercise anymore. I mentioned that was really important. You know, he couldn't go to work because his voices got worse and he couldn't exercise. So he was taking time off from work. So he was being socially isolated. Always bad, you know, when you're getting away from people. Um, and he was switching medications because his medication wasn't working. And your medications, especially antipsychotics, can make you more suicidal. So, uh, I mean, I think all of those things are things to watch out for, just making sure that you know, if anyone you know is ever in that type of situation, you know, don't don't think just because they've been down before that it's going to be the same as it always is. You know, right. always take it very seriously anytime someone who's bipolar uh, gets into one of those modes because it, it can be, you know, it can be the end for everyone, right. so to speak. Yeah, I mean, and it's hard too because that's a, that's an added pressure, but really, it's just hyper awareness and and you know, it seems like you just gave an unbelievable amount of support to your brother and I'm, and I, I'm sure most people would in that situation. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I don't think it'd be any, if I was the one with schizophrenia, I know he would do it for me. So right. that's always how I justified it to anyone who asked, you know, who knew like my wife and everything. I was like, of course, you no, know, I'm going to do this. You know, if I was in the same situation, Hank would have done it for me. So why wouldn't I give him support? Right. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. But, and, uh, for people who want to um, contribute and read more about this, I know you guys were, we posted the, uh, the page on, on our, on our Facebook. We're, we're going to keep posting it and uh, putting it out there, but why don't you go ahead and uh, let us know where to find that information? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you, if you just Google Hank um, now and you do, you know, brain uh, and behavior, you'll be able to find it. I wish I had a, a smart, unfortunately Hank was the one who was very tech savvy. So he would have already had a, a better link, you know, where I just say, all right, right. Yeah, go to, to, to something, something.com and you'll find it. And There'd I, be like a, like an me. iPhone app that you could just ask Siri, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. you know, every time you leave your house, you know, right. you don't at all. I wish, right. uh, he was, but yeah, so you're looking for the brain and behavior, uh, research and then just look for Hank, you can even just type sure and the Google now and you'll find something. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty much all over Google right now for the moment. 
Yeah, and, I mean, uh, were you? Were no, you no, go, go for it. No, sorry. Uh, I was going to say uh, there's, there's, there's <laughs> other things you can do too. You know, like uh, there's people who are schizophrenic all over the community. I mean, if if you try and find the clubhouses that they have in your area, you know, there's there's always people who are struggling who are like in halfway situations. Who, you know, they they don't have vocational skills. You know, they they don't have anyone to talk to about their voices. I right. mean, you can find something if you really want to try and volunteer. Because I know, like, the money we're raising isn't going to... If a week here is schizophrenia before I die, you know, that would be awesome. But my million bucks is, is going to be, you know, just another coin in the jar towards that. I mean, helping people who are actually suffering now, I think, would be a better way if people wanted to help. You know, they could be getting involved if people are thinking about killing themselves today. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's the thing. It, it's about awareness, right? So you, we can raise money and we can raise... Uh, you know, like you said, a million bucks and maybe we can cure it, but, uh, finding out what you can do in your local community and and reaching out to somebody. And like, there's a good chance that some of our listeners might be in this situation. They might know someone in this situation or they might know somebody going through it and they have no idea. So if we, if, if we can make the conversation easier for all parties involved, I mean, you know, with any social issue, but you know, the one we're talking about, then that, that's a good situation for everybody. Right. Um, were you so when all this all this news came out? We we talk about awareness. This was picked up by major news outlets all over the world, um, and it's another one of those things like the circumstances are terrible, but just getting the word out there. I mean, were you surprised by the outpouring of support that you guys got or that you got? Uh, I was. You know, I didn't. That's kind of why I spent a week. And, you know, everyone's giving me credit for the thing I wrote. That's like a draft of something I wrote, and then I had some help from his girlfriend and the rest of the family, you know. So I want to make sure that I give credit where credit's due. But we wanted to spend some time on it because we didn't know, because he was John Denver's nephew and he was the baby in Ghostbusters, how big it would be. And we wanted to make sure that we put up something that if, you know, people were going to read it and share it, it would be something that actually kind of gave you a glimpse as to the problem, you know, because my nightmare was the, the headlines I saw at like TMZ the next day, you know, or right. mortuary, and I'm on I'm on Google and I see, you know, baby Oscar commits suicide, you know, right. I'm like, man, I know that's an attention getter, but that's not what I really wanted. Yeah, you know, that's I wanted not. People, right. I wanted the lost losing to schizophrenia thing. I didn't I didn't really want that, you know, because right, I, right. It, it really wasn't really like kill himself because somebody told him to do it, you know kind of against his will. Right. His voice has told him to do it, and he did it. It wasn't right. really like he was in his right mind. But, I mean, that's the way it is. you got to get people to click. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, was, I was a little surprised at how much, you know, but at the same time, I, I'll tell you what I am even more surprised by is the, uh, the lack of people actually donating because I'll have... I probably had, you know couple hundred people who have messaged me asking me if there's anything they can do and I'll be like well did you share the link and donate ten dollars you know right, <laughs> right. Done that. I'm like that's what I need right now you know right. that's why we came up with the whole slogan put the gas money in the cup because that was like an inside joke about a friend that we had that we drove home one time and she was asking you know she was thankful because it was like 15 minutes out of the way and she was asking if there was anything she could do, you know, and Hank said, we'll put the gas money in the cup, you know, because we had to drive 15 minutes out of the way to get here. Exactly. Right, so yeah. Because there's anything they can do, but talk is cheap, you know, if you really right. want to help us out, you know, give us some gas money, we're in high school. <laughs> exactly. So that's why I started just messaging that and spreading that around. 
it's true. You know, talk is cheap. It's, it's great to tell me, you know, if I need anything. But if you spend even just 30 seconds donating five bucks, ten bucks, you know, a couple of coffees and spreading it on Facebook, that would mean more to me. And just mention me saying, hey, I shared it on Facebook. And I'd be like, man, thank you so much. You know, that does way more for me than asking me if I need anything. Right, what I really right. need is my brother back, but I'm not getting that. You right. know? So right. I'd much rather someone give me some good news like they're actually trying to help right it's uh i read an article once about when people are going through situation or grieving and it's actually asking if is there anything i can do is a is not really a great question because yeah like you just said there's a lot that you could do but the the real question somebody should be asked is what can i do what do you want me to do yeah what can i do right and uh donating five ten bucks to uh to to the fund is uh is what they can is what anybody listening can do, and uh, spreading the link. Uh, like I said, we're going to put it on Facebook and Twitter, and, and we'll uh, we'll we'll make sure to uh, to keep it going because, like like I said at the beginning, we're we're a community, and uh, I, I will say this: there is a lot. You know, fan communities can be full of interesting people, uh, good and bad. But the Ghostbusters community is, is a really tight knit group, and. Uh, like I said, yeah. we, we felt like we, we lost uh, one of our own, and if we can help you and your family uh, in any way possible, we're, we're going to do anything that we can. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely, and hopefully, you know, we'll 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 keep in touch, and you can you know join us anytime you want, update us on on your guys' progress uh, with raising awareness, and hopefully, we can you know make the the conversation about mental illness something that uh, isn't so hush-hush. People will be open to talking about this and, and their experience, and, and uh, I think right. the, the world will be a better place because of it. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me at all and trying to fit me in and working on my schedule I got going right now. No, no, not at all. We're, we're you know, we're like I said, we're, we're, we're here for you. We'll do anything we can, and uh, we appreciate you stopping by and, uh, and talking to us for a little bit. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, Craig. All right. Thank you, Will. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. That was our conversation with Will Dutchendorf. Uh, We really appreciate Will stopping by, talking about his brother, Hank, raising awareness. Uh, We're going to do our best. Go out there. Raise some money. Donate some money. Talk about mental health. Keep it in the conversation. It's super, super important. It affects so many people. And we just really appreciate Will's time. So you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash yeshavesomecast. And we'll have the link for Hank's Hope for a Cure, where you can go donate a few dollars and do your part to uh, help raise some awareness. Uh, So until next time, uh, this is Craig Goldberg. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to the Ghostbusters community uh, for the outpouring of love and support for Will and uh, Hank and their entire family.